Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. It is Garen and Jordan coming to you, talking about Garen's second message on the Trinity which was on uh, Sunday. It was yesterday on the 28th of January. And, uh, you know, Garen, before we get into the Trinity, we just have to go to you with your your thoughts on the Chiefs. Have you converted? Are you ready to jump on the bandwagon now, Garen? Oh, I've been secretly on the bandwagon for a long time. I just pretend to be a Broncos fan. Yeah, it's all inside, a farce. Inside, yeah, I'm really... A- you know that uh, part of the Avengers where Thanos is like, I am inevitable. That's what Patrick Mahomes has become. Yeah, he is Thanos. He is inevitable. He is inevitable. It is inevitable that we will see him in the Super Bowl every year. So So. we're just waiting for somebody to show up on the other team and just say, I am Iron Man and just take over. But (laughs) there is nobody. I mean, that's why I don't bet against him. I, in both of these games, Bills and this game, I'm like, you know, I know one that some one team's at home and one team maybe people think it's better overall, but I'm like you. I'm not ever betting against Mahomes. Never. Yeah, you shouldn't because he's that guy has he's really good massive ability. He's a once in a generational talent. Just under John Elway. Just under. <laughs> oh, I was going to bring out Garen. I'm glad you said that. I was going to bring out a stat for you that I don't think you're going to like a lot. So I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, yeah. but with that win yesterday, he uh, passed Peyton. He tied Peyton. Oh, tied Peyton for postseason wins. Yeah, yeah so only takes one more until one more and, Peyton's uh, in the rear view. So yeah. sorry about it. You know, but you Peyton was a was really good and had a lot of skill. But you, I never felt like he was a once in a generation guy. Right. Mahomes is that. I mean, yeah. you've seen that pretty quick. And Andy Reid's great. And you got to, you like Andy. Nobody, you, you got to love Andy. I feel like you're saying these things to try and convince yourself. To convince myself, yeah. is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. I think this is one of the stages of grief. Yeah. I'm not sure it's which part, one. Yeah, it's part of the denial. Bar- bargaining, yeah, bargaining, maybe, or yeah. denial, yeah. So, sorry, Garen. Yeah. All right. Hey, you only have to watch the Chiefs one more time until next year, Garen. <laughs> there you go. That's the best way to think about this. All right, let's jump into what matters. Talking about the Trinity, Garen, you, uh, you took us from your first message, which was a lot about, like, why is the Trinity not irrational? Is yeah. how I would describe it. Yeah. You know, it, given a case from the Bible and then why it can make some sense. Yeah. How it can yeah. make sense. And you, you moved us into part two, which is really um, the fact that the Trinity is community and that we have a deep need for that. Yeah. So we need the Trinity. Yeah. We, so it's kind of that. Yeah. It's that. So what? Like, okay, does this, but does this matter? Yeah. So I, that's what the next few weeks is. It does matter. And yesterday was about what you just said, community. Right. Yeah. You started us off with a few quotes, you know, James Bryan Smith down at Friends University, wrote a book where he said that the the nature of the Trinity is at the basis of everything. Yeah. So that that community, that relationship aspect is really what all of the universe hinges on in some way or another. And then, you know, Augustine, he said the, the, the doctrine of the Trinity, it's dangerous, it's laborious, but above all, it is profitable. Yeah. 
And so this, so what is being answered by these guys and, you know, it's essential to who we are. Yeah. Not just understanding who God is, but who we are and how do we yes. find success and yep. value. And how do you live life well? And this how life, do you thrive? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and then you took us right to first John four, you know, that, that quintessential passage where God says, uh, or where John writes about God, he says that God is love and that at his core, love is who he is. It's not just something that he does. Not just something he does. It's in his essence. Because I think sometimes I can just think about God and I can think of this like list of attributes, love, mercy, grace, justice. And love is just one of those things on that list. But what first John is telling us and what you were trying to get in, into our mind yesterday was that God doesn't do love. He, yeah. He is love. He is love. That's a difference. So what's the difference there in that? I think the difference is, is like I said, like sometimes I do, sometimes I'm loving and sometimes I'm not because to me, it's not a, it's not in my essence. It's not a core of who I am. It's something I do sometimes. Sometimes I choose it. Sometimes I don't. There's times I intentionally choose not to be the most loving person, you know, hopefully not most of the time, but we all struggle with that. But when something's in your essence, it just is what comes out of you. It's who you are. And so it happens every time. And that that's what John is saying with that is that this is just who God is. It's it's his core, part of his core. It's his essence. It what It is what happens. You're not going to get anything else out of him. Everything he does will be loving because God is love. It's almost like love is the lens through which all of his other attributes can be seen, right? I yeah, mean, even you could. His, even his judgment, even his justice his, or all of those things are, yeah. He cares about justice because he cares about love and doing unloving things and unjust things is unloving. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't put love on the shelf to then become a judge and then take yeah, that. No, not at all. He doesn't yeah. switch things out it's, like that. It's always in everything he does. So. Yeah. You continued our Hebrew lesson. You know, you said if God were Yahid, which we learned last week meant just one singular, if he were Yahid, then he could not be love. In his essence. Yeah. Right. So talk about why that is. Because so God has existed eternally and love requires, um, an object and a subject. It requires communion, requires a relationship. Mm -hmm. And you have to have an object and a subject. And so if God is one and one alone, that means for all of eternity before he ever created, it's just him sitting around twiddling his thumbs with no object of his love at all. Okay. And so it cannot really be something of his essence because he can't give it. And it's not until the first angels or humans created. He's like, oh, wow, now I get that love thing can finally come out of me. Oh, okay. But the fact that that's who he is and he existed for a long time without any subject and object he had created, that means that there has to be within him plurality. There has to be more than one because that, that love has to show itself in some form in relationship. And so God has to be relational in who he is. Okay. So therefore we know that God is Ichad. Yeah. Right. He is one from, yeah. from many. Yeah. And because he has existed eternally in both directions as the Trinity, as uh, one essence in a community of three loving yeah. persons. Is so that, that statement right? that God is one demands that he's can't be solitary because yeah. he couldn't, that couldn't have been true before he created. Because how can you love if you're, it's just you. Yeah. If it's just you. Unless there's an object to be your love, to receive yeah, your love, right. then. There's no loving. Yes, there has to. And there's, it's a give and take. And so that give and take, if love is who he is, that had to have been there. That give and take was there in some form. So it demands a plurality, a oneness of plurality. So let me push back on this because if I don't grow up in the church and I'm not just like, okay, that makes sense. You know, if I'm outside and I'm, yesterday was my first Sunday, I'm asking some questions. One being, 
okay, you're telling me God loved himself all the way backwards from, you know, in eternity past. That sounds a little selfish or egotistical, right? Like why, why are we giving God glory for loving himself? That's not hard to do. Well, that's where I think the three persons comes in. That, okay. That there was this love. That's why I mentioned yesterday, it's, it's like this circle of relating or a circle of a day. A lot of people, there's a Greek word that I'll get to, I think this week, um, perichoresis, which means this dance within that, that there's like this dance going on. And so it's not like, so that solitary, that solitary one God, it's not like he's just sitting around like, man, I love myself, dude. I am so awesome. It's not that. It's that there is Father, Son, and Spirit. And Father, that's why Jesus said in John 17, like, you have loved me eternally. So like there's there's this community within him and it's this love between the three. They're one in essence. Again, do I totally 100% get that? No, yeah. but but the, it's, so it's not like just God loving on himself. It's there's this these three persons in this. Yeah. And there's this dance of love between those three. I think that this touches the part that we're still unsure about. Yes. And we'll never fully comprehend. Yeah. Um, but I, I understand what you're giving me. Yeah. Like the small, the small, like peephole that I can see through, yeah. like I'm seeing it, but right. it's just, oh. I mean, even as I'm talking, like I'm saying this thing and I'm like, this makes sense. But then there's in my brain, there's part of this like, like, yeah, I don't like it's frying me a little bit. Right. So, but I get it. It makes sense, but it's still like, I yeah. totally. Which goes back to that first part that you talked about two Sundays ago, where we're never going to fully understand this thing. Yeah. That's not the goal of this whole thing, yeah. of this whole thing we're doing. And actually the fact that I can't understand it just speaks to the depth uh, of who he is of and who God that is. he's God. And so I, I need to live in the mystery of it. Yeah. So he is unsolitary. He is a divine circle of relating. Uh, and then, oh, I was going to mention this. You know, you talked about these solitary heroes in culture, right? Yeah. You, you you went after the applause with Katniss. You didn't really get it. Didn't get it. That was tough. But then after I said it, the, the people pleasers in the congregation, or the people really wanted to applaud but couldn't show it because yeah. they think it's unspiritual. It felt like a pity applaud, Karen. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I'm going to call it like I've it fallen is. really far to when you start, yeah, yeah. You start doing things just begging for but you know, a response. You were mentioning these heroes that are like these solitaire heroes. You know, you said like Batman and- I don't remember who else you said. John Wick and yeah. John McClane. All these guys. Mad Max, and all Garen, that. Karen, you left out, man. You Did I leave you, out the key one? You had some good ones and I was with you, but as I thought about it, man, Garen, you whiffed on the best one of all. Oh my. Han Solo from Star Wars. Oh yeah, he's the- Because he starts out solitary yeah. in the bad boy and yeah. then he realizes his need for community and relationship and he falls in love with Leia, right? Yeah. Even sac- self-sacrificially- he like becomes frozen by Jabba the Hutt to like save them, right? Yeah. So like, dude, Han Solo comes full circle. On he this comes full thing. circle. Yeah, he he's. Great. But so that's how he's kind of the un, like Clint Eastwood. All those other characters, they never come full circle, they, right? You're they right. just stay that way. Yeah. But that's a good one because everybody. When I watched it as a kid, I mean, I was a teenager when that came out. We all loved Han Solo, not Luke. Luke was okay, yeah. but it was Han that you wanted to yeah. be. Like, you'd fight with your friends. Who was going to be Han? Uh-huh. Because that ideal that's in our culture of that, the Lone Ranger, yes. the person who's just by himself, rugged, yeah. not connected to anybody. Right. Yeah. But he got sucked Man, in at the a, end. Han Solo is a good one. It's okay. When you teach this again in a few years, you can- So when you walked out of service, time. that's why it was, it was about that? Or was it the Katniss? Like- when I walked out. Yeah, when you walked out, it's because I left out Han Solo. I saw you get up and stormed out. For yeah, that was it. Yeah. I, you know, Garen, if the preaching really doesn't serve me, 
then I'm not about it. So I'll be, I'll be going somewhere else next week. Uh, you talked about how community is at our core because it's really at God's core. So yes. when we look in the mirror and we say, um, why do I crave community? In reality, it's because we are made in God's image mm-hmm. and he is a perfect picture of community. And so anytime we, we live in community, we reflect God, right? Yep. And, and if we try and live solo and live without community, there's a piece of us that's missing. Yes. And we're never going to really feel yeah. complete in that yeah, way. Yeah, don't feel complete. I won't mirror him well. There's, there, I'll get, it, it'll make me broken. And that's what we're seeing in our culture. We can come to that in a minute. But this, this loneliness epidemic, because yeah. our culture is pushing us so much in this direction. Yeah. That we don't thrive and function well when we right. don't live the way we're designed. And this is how God designed us. Okay, Garen, I have a question. Uh, you know, when you mentioned that whole community aspect, you know, some people's eyes really lit up. They're like, yes, I was made for community. But the introverts in the room, we were kind of like, I don't know about this. Like, I'm kind of <laughs> happy in my basement by myself, you know? So like, is community really something that all of us crave? What would you say to the person that really feels uncomfortable around others or would rather spend time alone. How is community woven into their heart? Too? Yeah, I think, cause I'm, I'm, I am an introvert and I used to be an extreme introvert, but there, I know from experience, there were, there were, you see people in community and there were times you're like, I wish I, I wish I had friends like that. Or, and when people get the people who really, a lot of times who are most broken in our culture, we won't go into all the details, but a lot of times they're the people that have become such extreme introverts. They've isolated themselves from anybody and they live in a bubble of their own world. And that's when you start thinking weird and that's never healthy. So even I think all introverts know, yeah, I need my alone time or I love being alone by myself. I love being the solitary Garrett at times, but we still have this deep longing to, to know and to be known, to love and to be loved and... Yeah. Yeah. I think even most introverts would say that. that I agree. And and I don't think intro extra is about whether or not you need community. I think it's about what that community looks like Uh and how much. And how much. And then what what kind. Yeah. What Uh kind. Yeah. Yeah. Because for me, I have friends who are more extroverted and they say of extroverts, extroverts will have 30 friends, but none of them are deep. Right. And that an introvert has five, but they're really deep. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't have parties coming to my house all the time. Like I don't have 30 people showing, Hey, you're the funnest guy in town, you know, but I have, I do have friendships and they have a, a lot of depth to them and it just looks different. So I've got to be willing to, to know that my community might look different than yours, but we still need it. Didn't you say you were throwing a pretty big rager in two weeks though for the Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah. Having all my, all when my you, chiefs fans yeah, come over, all my you, chiefs friends. Didn't you say you wanted to put that out that if any, <laughs> any chiefs fans wanted to come root for Mahomes to come to your house yeah. in two weeks? Okay. Well, for, root for Kelsey. If, if you want to come, well, yeah, bring yeah, your yeah. Kelsey jerseys yeah. to party, party. And, and to and at halftime, you guys were yeah, going to take sing, Rip your shirts off. and You were going to sing yeah. Taylor Swift Taylor karaoke. Swift, yeah. Is that what you're going to uh-huh. do? I thought so. Yeah. So that'll be in church announcements next week? Yeah, big. Yeah. Okay. We'll keep an eye peeled for that one. Garen, you told us a stat, 90% of human happiness is connected to relationship. Um, so it's just a huge part of who we are. Yeah. And so there's no, like if I, I would identify as an introvert as well, Garen, just like you, but this is not us getting off the hook for community. Oh, you know, we'll talk more about circles and tables later, but yeah. I can't be in a circle or at a yeah. table because I'm just an introvert. It's not how I'm wired. There's no excuses. There's no room for that, right? No. And I knew that. And that's why I went on a journey where I really felt convicted that I needed to start pushing in to community more deeply 
for me to overcome some of the issues that I had. Mm. And it's been very rewarding. And yeah, nobody ultimately likes being isolated. We all want to be known, want to be loved. And so, I mean, things like having family and having kids and grandkids, all of that's about community and the joy it brings of, you know, just being around others and yeah. all that. And I knew I had to push into it. I had to grow into it. And the more I grew into it, the more that that how I was designed really came out. I'm like, I need this even more than I thought. Wait a second, Garen. Time out. Well, if I'm hearing you correctly, then we as Jesus followers are supposed to do <laughs> things that are formative for us, even when they're not comfortable. Even when they aren't comfortable, or I don't feel like that it. Can't Can you believe be that? What, that can't be what's yeah, true. It can't be what's true. Because I'm just is. supposed to do what feels right. Yeah. And my truth is my truth. And <laughs> yeah. I know. Totally you know, crazy, you, huh? Yeah, you, you threw out that 90% stat, 90% of human happiness is from relationship. I think the other 10% is that second week of March when March Madness is happening and all I need around me is like six six screens for the games and I need no human contact. That's my other 10%. That's your other 10. But every yeah. other week of the year, I need to be relational. Do I get that? Yeah, that's. That has, I think that, that is caveat. What, at Harvard, I think that's what they found was right. the other 10%. Yeah, so. exactly, yeah. Let's see. You talked about how we are um, experiencing an epidemic of loneliness, that it was declared a, a public health crisis last year. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, Whoa. this is all. Yeah, it's been really big in the news lately. It's been kind of the big thing out there is how lonely people are. So even if you're not looking at this from a spiritual perspective, but just a wellness perspective, yeah. like we, it's clear to see whether you believe in a creator or God or not, we as a species need community. Now we can talk about where that need comes from and you're lobbying that it's from God and it's written into our code because we reflect him. But yes. even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you have to acknowledge we need community. Oh, yeah, that you don't even have to write all, you can get in the secular literature. It all says that, that we're, we're wired some way for this and yeah. we need it. You talked about culture of mobility, social media, smartphones, how those are all contributing negatively towards the community that yeah. we're trying to experience. And, and helping, and that we, yeah, we're worse at community than we used to be. That's why young people are struggling so much alone this. Yeah. Is you lose the ability. I mean, tra it's trained, you know, you get trained. I mean, I'm reading John Mark Comer's book right now. Everything forms me in some way. Mm -hmm. And if I'm actually with somebody face-to-face, -face, having conversation, you know, you give a man hug when you get together, that forms you for that. But if mainly you're chatting with people, that form, it decreases your ability to know well what to do in presence or mm -hmm. presence becomes less important, mm -hmm. but we need presence. That's why Jesus incarnated is to be present. So yeah, those things really hurt. And that's why they say for the first time, young people are the most lonely, not the elderly. Yeah. And it's because of some of the stuff in our culture that's forming us in a really poor direction. Hmm. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that until you brought it yesterday. But the youngest generation, I think, is the one that really does struggle the most to connect. Yes. And I hadn't thought about that, but it's so true. Yeah. You, you mentioned, we just said it, but, you know, social media, smartphones, I think we all are familiar with those things and how they contribute to a lack of community. Uh, talk to me about culture of mobility, what that means and how it's affecting our ability to have community as young people. Yeah, I hit that last semester with Nehemiah. Do you remember what was the, I'm trying to remember what the topic was, but um, yeah, we live in a culture where people, oh, when I think I talk about vocation, people are moving all the time. Like they'll be in a job three years and I'm like, I'm not satisfied. I'm getting a new job that they're constantly looking for that thing or climbing the ladder. There's a lots of reasons for the mobility. And again, it doesn't mean God can't move me somewhere, but our culture is just, the people don't stay in the same place anymore. And what it does is it creates children who 
struggle with relationships. You'll, I talk to a lot of young people and like, we moved every year and I have a hard time getting to know people. I have a hard time like trusting people or just it affects things and, and it affects adults. You can't be moving around all the time and it doesn't affect you. It's just easier to not dig into relationships. If you know, I might not be, I might be gone in two years. We've had the internationals, the internationals who came for one semester we're not as interested in getting to know people as those who were coming for four years. It's when you know you're going to move or not be around. So that's that's been a thing that's mm. a lot of people say has whole hurt our culture. It's broken this social fabric. I don't get to know my neighbors anymore. Just a lot of that stuff. So. Interesting. You introduced some new language to us, Karen. You talked about rows and circles and tables. We kind of alluded to this earlier in the episode. Um, rows. Circles, tables, these are all groups that we belong to and they get smaller and smaller as we get further and further into it. So rows is kind of the big gathering that we yeah, take large part in. Gatherings. As in rows in church. Yeah. So it's a weekly gathering of people in church is what you're talking about there. And then circles are kind of a smaller gathering. So maybe 12. Yeah. Is, around is 12, a, 8 to 12, group. 15 they say is max for a good small group. And so this could be like, yeah, like you just said, the small groups here at 12. Yeah. Meeting in a home. And- or even like, you know, we're going to have the if gathering or the, the men's retreat. Would those, would that be a rose or a circles? That'd be a rose, but okay. a good group, a good thing like that will have breakouts and in ta- in circles at tables. Okay. Like, I mean, a circles, like, let's talk about that. It's getting more intimate. In the, in the circles group, there's more than one person talking. Uh-huh. In the rose group, we're all kind of here to hear somebody. Yeah, you're just there taking notes. In the circles group, there's no hiding. Yeah. I'm sitting in a circle and I'm going to be called upon to contribute yeah. at some point. You can probably. ask questions like, what do you mean by that? Or like, whoa, that really struck me. That yeah. hit me where I'm living. Huh. You, you get to start breaking it down, making it practical. Okay. And then lastly, tables. And this is a very small number, like two or three or four, where we're sitting at a table and we are not just going through a study together or bouncing ideas off each other, but these people know me deeply. And when I have big decisions to make, or I have yep. sin to confess, mm-hmm. or I need perspective mm-hmm. or encouragement, this is the group that I Needing go to. Needing prayer. Yep. Needing to share failures. We're growing together. We're intentionally trying. That's the group. I mean, I literally, you know, I meet Tuesday mornings with um, Richard Gimple and Steve Lowen, and we literally sit around a round table in Steve's office. And I was just kind of thinking about that yesterday. Like, yeah, we're around a table. Or Steve and I just, you, we used to meet, but we'd meet at McDonald's around a table. Um, I mean, you can meet a coffee shop, not have a table, but I think we get the idea mm-hmm. that it's that smaller group who really know me. We know each other and we share and help each other grow deeply. The idea here is that we see increased intimacy at each level. Yes. On Sunday morning, there's no real intimacy. A small group, there's some at the table. That's where you can really be real yep. and be fully seen where, by somebody. That's where vulnerability, that's where deep sharing, all of that. Yeah. You said something along with this yesterday that I really liked, that we don't go to church. We, we're we, supposed to be the we're church. We're supposed to be the church. And we've heard that a hundred times, but this kind of puts some, I don't know. It helps me to understand it better because it shows me how to do it. That I am not just coming on a Sunday morning, but I am participating in a small group for my betterment and the betterment of others. And I'm also sitting around a table where I am both fully knowing and fully known by others. And uh, it takes intentionality to do that. And it takes me, you know, being willing to be vulnerable with somebody to do that. And in that way, I can be the church. I am not just going to a church. Yeah. Yeah, With the rose, it's easy to just go. You know, you talk through a few people, but you hear something and you leave. Yeah. But with, it's hard to be, you can be to a degree, but it's hard to be it deeply. But 
when you get down to 12s and 3s, that's all it's about is being the church. So let's not talk about 12th Avenue in specific because I, I think there's a lot more going on in evangelicalism than just our church. So let's zoom out like the Western church, Karen. What percentage of people that are participating in rows are moving into circles and what percentage of those people are moving into tables? Is this something that- Wow, that's a good- It's a lot of, I mean, I know you're going to know real uh-huh. numbers, but your feel, because you've been in ministry a long time here, is your feeling that most people move into these things? It's really rare. Maybe they'll move to one, but not the other. What's your feel on this? If They say if a church is really strong in small groups, you'll have 60% Okay. in small groups. That's a church that's good at it. What are we, do you know? Um, We're, I think we're pretty close. Uh, not, yeah, I'd have to talk to Lisa. We're we're pretty close to it. Okay. We're not more where most churches are that don't have it to where you, yeah, 60%. Then if you're going to go into people that are really meeting in those small, like we're going to be disciples, we're going to apprentice to Jesus and we're uh-huh. going to help each other. Uh-huh. You're, you're dropping down to, I don't, I'm not even totally sure of a number. We've even been talking about, some of us have been identifying how many of those are meeting around 12th. And it's just, it's a lot smaller. Sure. There's some of it going on. So the general trend is that from rows to circles, it's maybe, maybe half of the people that sit in rows will engage in circles. Yeah. But then the people that will go from circles to tables, it's a big drop off. It would be, it wouldn't even be half of its circles. It'd be less than that, but yeah. Yeah. So why, why is that? And, and the table isn't just like, you know, some, we all have friends that like, I meet, we have lunch and we talk about some big things. Yeah. But there's no deep vulnerability and sure. like, man, here's where I'm failing. But mm-hmm. why is that? Because of the vulnerability. And I think for, especially for guys, we live in this, the, the culture, the ideas, it's the rugged individual. We're not emotional. Like, and so I am not going to share my junk. And it's hard for guys. You know, John Eldridge and Wilder Hart says the question all men ask is, do I have what it takes? Am I good enough? Am I enough? Yeah. Yeah. And that Boy, when you get to that level and you're saying to somebody, essentially, I'm not enough, that mm-hmm. is really, really hard. Yeah. It's, you know, it's really hard. And, you know, like if my car breaks down, I, w- I won't wave a flag and say to somebody, hey, I just, I have no clue. I'm not enough. What I'll do is I'll open the hood and I'll pretend for 30 minutes. Like I know when people are driving by like, wow, that guy knows what he's doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I know I change oil and all that stuff, but... Yeah, it's just so, I think for guys, especially getting that level is hard because you got to get past that. Am I willing to tell somebody I'm not enough? Because yeah. I'm, I'm so afraid I'm not. Yeah. That's really hard for guys, but we so desperately need it, yeah. right? Because when I hear other guys say, I'm not enough either, boy, that helps. Right. Right. And I think that's what you're met with a lot of the time. At least that's been my experience. You get around these tables, you talk about things, not on night number one, but like you get into it enough where you trust each other. And as people start to open up, it's, it's met with, yeah, me too. Because yeah. no, there's yes. what you, what you know in your head um, gets proven every time, which is there's no perfect people yeah. and everybody feels inadequate in some way. Yes. And it's yep. the work of the enemy that makes us feel like we're the only one who's like that. And it normalizes. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Like the enemy wants me to think I'm the only one with that struggle. And when you get around other people, it normalizes it and you're like, I'm normal. I'm not abnormal. Yeah. And this is something I'm human in a broken, fallen world. Or even if it's not the same struggle as you, it's, you know, everyone's got a struggle. Yeah. So I may be failing over here, but you're failing over there and we're yeah. both working on it together. Yeah. And and we're both failing at it. We both feel very broken. Yeah. But desperately wanting God's work on our life. And Do you think that's part of why James says that we should confess to one another that we may be healed? I know this isn't necessarily like sinful stuff maybe, or maybe sometimes it is, but I mean, 
Is that what he's talking about? Or am I? No, that is, that is that part out? of it. That should be the place where that's happening. And you've referenced Pakluda on that. Something like Jesus heals. I mean, you, you say it. He, um, he heals my body, but c- confession oh, heals my soul or uh, something like that. I think he like says that. Jesus saves by confession, but we're... Oh, something about we oh, get, we're saved by confession to Jesus, but we're healed in community, maybe in community by confessing to one another. Right. And yeah. that's what, that's what oh, James that's says. That's what it is. We're saved by confessing to Jesus. We're healed by confessing to one another. Yeah. And yeah. that's what James says. And that's what happens. And that's what should be happening around this table. Yeah. And so we're not saying this, we're not saying get around the table and confess to others because you need salvation. Yeah. That's with you and Jesus. But if, if we're going to be truly healed from things, it, it comes when we share with with yeah. others and walk together. Because we all know when things are kept in secret, they fester and grow. When I bring things out in the light, that's when healing can come. And that's what those tables are supposed to be as part of that is like, I'm willing to share my junk. Yeah, totally. My And, and you know, we're talking about guys, again, for a guy to say, I'm afraid of something. Yeah. That's so un-guy-like, but we all have fears yeah. and have a group that say, you know what, uh, this kind of scares me. Yeah. Would you pray with me and yeah. encourage me? And, and I, maybe the other part of it is that like, we're afraid to get around tables because what if I don't have the answers? What if what if somebody says, hey, I'm really struggling with this. And I'm like, I don't know what to say about that. And we don't have to have answers. Yeah. We can just say, that's that's hard. Can I pray for that? Yep. And just the fact that somebody else knows and is praying for you throughout the week, that's enough. Yeah. So we don't need to. And that's the other thing about men. We always have to have answers for things. Yes. I feel, right. I personally feel useless if I don't have an answer for something. Yes. And that's something I've learned to be better at is like when I'm in the midst of pain or someone is confessing, not to have an answer, but just to be there. Yeah. And so we can all get better at that. And so take the pressure off the table. You don't have to answer everything. Yeah. Or anything. Really. And you don't, guys want to fix things too. Right. And sometimes things aren't fixable immediately. Yeah. We got to get better at learning that. And that a lot of times, like, I don't even know how to fix that. Same thing. Like, I don't have the answer to that, or I don't have that problem. I don't know what to do, but I can pray for you. Yeah. And I, every week I can ask, how are you doing? And I'm not going to in the, I'm not, we're not going to break up the table. If you fail to do what you're supposed to, like we we're in this together and yeah, that, they're so important. So I think the question that you left us with is a good one. What is your community like? Um, are you one of these rose people? Are you maybe even one of them that I think you said like 1.5 times a month is the average, right? Yeah. Are you, are just... you a 1.5er where, you know, church isn't super high on the priority list? Um, maybe you come regularly, but that's the extent of it. But is then it stops there. Rose yeah. Person. yeah. Or have you moved over into circles? Are you a part of a small group or have you been, or do you see value in that? Um, and then if you're in a small group too, have you moved into that table level where you're meeting consistently with a small group of people, probably of your own gender, uh-huh, and, your own gender, and maybe life stage, maybe not, but, um, certainly believers who can pray together, who can share life together, be encouraged, be challenged. Um, and that's kind of the, the end goal yeah. there. So, so yeah, I think we're all just wondering. And all I, that comes out of the Trinity. And out of Jesus, because Jesus modeled that. He had 72, he had 12, and he had three. Yeah. And if Jesus needs that, and if that's the nature of God, right? then, and that's why I think the, whole, the early church modeled this. And so we've got to get better at this. Totally. And that's where you left us. So that's our challenge as well is, you know, are you in the rows and the circles and the tables or all three? And um, even if you're in all three, you know, I don't, I don't think you're off the hook in some way. I think that we can always be multiplying those things too. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm with a table for a season, 
And then each of us commit to go create our own tables Yeah, because it's great that a few are doing it, but a movement happens when we split yes, off right. and, and each go our own way. So right. even in my, I meet with a table, uh, I've got two other guys that I meet with. We've been going, we're almost a year in. And, um, so eventually, hopefully, you know, even though I love those guys, we'll split off and do our own thing because more people need it than just us. Yes. So, yep. Okay. All right. That is what we've got. Garen, thank you so much. That was week two of Trinity. And so next up is week three of five, right? Yep. Week three. Okay. And we're going to ask just more about community and ask the question, if, if God is the model community, what do we learn about how to be a community from him? So hmm. we're going to get a little more in the nitty gritty in the next more couple community weeks. talk. Yes. Okay. What, what's it mean to be the body of Christ? Like how do we really relate to each other? So cool. Okay. We'll see you guys there.